The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. I've already been dead for such a very, very long time. But I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. Film Podcast. This is a spoiler podcast. And now, your hosts, Tim S. Turner and Kelly Hogamu. Hello and welcome back to Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees. This time we've got some great stuff lined up for you. First up, we grow our beards out for the lighthouse, cleanse our palate with the post-Civil War horror western ravenous, and pick our favorite mask for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. But first, please help me welcome back to the microphone my co-host and founder of the B-Movie BFFs website, Kelly Hogaboom. Hey, good afternoon, Tim. Wow, you sound so much more exciting this time when we, <laughs> I'm we hit super, record. It's been, it's been so much fun with our tech problems this afternoon. <laughs> I'm just getting more peppy every minute. Uh, <laughs> uh, all we need now is like one of those classic you know, Skype skips where we start going, ah, oh my gosh, in the middle right. of it. Oh, just wonderful. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, we've been having this horrible weather. Uh, this uh, lately, I think the last couple of days we got like about four inches of rain, and we've had about like forty mile an hour winds. Uh, more of that great California weather that you hear so much about. And uh, so, before we get to what you're watching, it's time once again for that beloved segment, Smoking Guy Update. Smoking Guy Update. And now, for those of you who've been listening, I, I have this neighbor, uh, and it doesn't matter what time of day or night, whether it's 2 a.m., 3 p.m., 11 p.m., he's out there and he's smoking. It's, it's like he's got some sort of uh, a radar for knowing when I'm going to walk out, and he's going to be standing right there in the pathway, and, which means I have to talk to him, and I hate small talk. But anyway, so last time... <clears throat> He he's multiplied now. There's him and and, and, and uh, a, a, a lovely lady with him, who I assume is his, his girlfriend or wife or whatever. And so now they're smoking and enjoying the 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 ritual of in, inhaling nicotine together. And <clears throat> so now he's wearing um, these MC Hammer pants, and they're 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 gold. They're a gold <laughs> color, and. 
So, and the thing is, he's wearing them like every day. Okay. And, so I don't know if these are his quote unquote smoking pants. Or they're his comfy pants. His comfy pants because they're, they're, they're super big and poofy, just like in the, in the can't touch this video. And so it's like, it's pouring rain. It's, it, it's 4.30 in the morning. It's windy. It's I know, 30 to 40 mile an hour winds. His pants are blowing gloriously in the wind. So he almost looks like he's like, oh, oh, you know, right. <laughs> but, but he's, you know, he's soaking wet and he's inhaling, he's trying to light the cigarette, you know, and I just kind of, it's, when is this going to end? It doesn't, it, it's like, does it matter if there, if there were, if we had another one of our wildfires, would he still be out there smoking in, in the yeah. middle of the, the utter flaming <laughs> chaos? Well, then he'd have a light at least, but you know, it is, right. an, it is an addiction. So, you know, Oh my God. I'm so glad I never started smoking. It, it's yeah. just, it's absolutely ridiculous. I but smoked I, for 17 years. Holy um, moly. Yeah. I've been quit for, I think, I think I quit in 2013. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's no joke and more power to people that can quit. Cause it's not easy. So, uh, uh, my question to you is, okay, now you, how long have you been vegan? In comparison, oh, like when you stop smoking, I think I've been vegan five years. Okay, yeah. so you quit before you 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 smoking. No, shortly that. after I quit. Yeah, I quit smoking shortly before I went vegan. Yeah. Okay, because I was gonna say because it would be weird if you were vegan but you were still smoking like a chimney. Oh, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so at all. In fact, I know I know the vegans that drink or that do cocaine. I mean, it's it's uh, oh, not wow. it's not really yeah it's not really the same thing. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just thinking in terms of like healthy yeah habits. Well, veganism for me is not about the health; it's about the animals. But um, sure. you know, I, if you would have if you would have predicted when I was 22, if you would have said that I was going to end up um, sober and vegan, I would have said no. <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> like, life life's goofy. But yeah, no. I when I see people smoking in that kind of weather, and I just my heart goes out to him because I remember what it was like, you know. But um, yeah, hopefully he'll uh, he'll get the patch or the gum or whatever people get these days, and he'll wean away. God, I hope so because I mean, when I say he was wet, I mean he was soaking wet, and yet somehow his 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 glorious hammer pants were still yeah. flowing like you know like uh, like the flag in that uh, you know uh, dead or alive video. Right, right. <laughs> so they're they're kind of lame, like they're shimmery. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. If, are you, is this your roundabout hint that this is what you want for your Christmas present? <laughs> you know I can make, I can make gold lame pants, right? I, I have no doubt that okay. you could make, make me look like um, you know, Will Smith in that great Aladdin. Uh, yes, right, anyway. right. Oh, oh my God. Uh, okay, so, uh, so what have you been watching lately? Is you know, I haven't watched a lot that is relevant to this podcast. I've been watching a lot of Mystery Science Theater just because I've been working a lot. And I mentioned this before, but when I'm when I'm in my studio creating something, I can't watch a movie if I haven't seen it because well, it's I'm distracting. Gonna, yes. So I've been queuing up a lot of Mystery Science Theater and you and I have been texting about that. But I did watch a noir um, that I thought you might. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, I think it's 1948's uh, I Walk Alone with Burt Lancaster and Kirk mm -hmm. Douglas and Elizabeth Scott. And, um, you know, you and I could start a noir podcast, really, because we both are, <laughs> we both kind of love noir, although we don't have the same opinions. But I did enjoy I Walk Alone quite a bit, actually. Um, Although I realized as I was watching it, I'm like, you know what I'm noticing in these classic noirs from, you know, the late 40s through, you know, the late 50s, everybody in it is dumb as a post. 
Like, <laughs> like nobody makes smart decisions. The heroes, the femme fatale, like no one makes a good call. Well, if they and, made a good decision, the plot wouldn't go forward. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that's necessarily true because like some of the noir that I like tends to be noir where the heroes make decisions that I find relatable or understandable. And like Burt Lancaster in this film, <laughs> it's like why he just makes a lot of dumb decisions and does a lot of whining and yelling. But um, <laughs> regardless of that, it was still a, actually a pretty cool story, and it had a better role for Elizabeth Scott than than noir typically affords women. And I love Kirk Douglas as a bad guy. I just love him as a bad guy. And oh, he's he does, a great villain. Yeah, he is. He's good at being impossibly good and he's good at being an impossible evil son of a bitch and i just love him he's he's a he's a great villain in out of the past that's all he's almost the same guy in out yeah. of the past i mean they, like they were i mean i'm like how many times did he but i believe this is the only noir that he and lancaster did together uh yeah i think so and um... then yeah they did a lot of movies together but i think this is the only noir and then i watched as you know i watched touch of evil um, yes which I'm sure we could talk about forever if we had the time. But, um, you know, I would, in fact, I'd love to talk about that film with you sometime because it was pretty cool and had a lot of great stuff. And you are going to be surprised to hear this, but it's the first time I'd seen the whole thing. So that was pretty really? fun. Yeah. So, um, like, I didn't even know that Marlene Dietrich was in it. Like, yeah, there was so much I didn't know about it. It's a glorified cameo, but yeah. yeah. And I couldn't believe she was, like, 57 in it. Oh, she looks great. <laughs> she looks it's not about great. It's like, she looks like she's 30 years old. I'm like, how can she be, you know, I had to look up her age. I was like, what's, what's happening. But yeah, touch of evil was fun. Um, pretty interesting film, pretty hard to get past Chuck Heston, but it was still a great film. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> a touch of evil is, 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 uh, up there, uh, with, uh, with double indemnity is, uh, probably my favorite noir. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it, it, it you know, as, as big a genius as Orson Welles was, you, I, I mean, I know it wasn't his choice, but man, having having Heston playing a Mexican is just, it's bizarre. It was to, bizarre. To say the least. And it kind of took, it takes you out of the film all the time because, you know, his Spanish sounds pretty good, um, but in no way does he, I just can't, I'm just not being able to picture him. And of course he's got brown makeup on his face, which sure. is, a, you know, gross. But I just was like, man, if they would have picked a actor of Latino descent. Maybe like Cesar role, Romero or something. Just anybody. Um, and I don't think of Chuck Heston as a very good actor or anything like that. So um, He's actually how, decent in that though. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I just, it still is a great film and... Um, I have to laugh at the story. You know, there's at least three versions of it because Orson Welles didn't get his way and he wrote like a 58-page memo. <laughs> right, and they <laughs> like took a it normal the studio person. took it away. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I, I saw the version where they had patched it together as closely to Welles' notes as they could. And it was too long, you know, but it was it was great. Yeah, I, 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 I love that film. It's got, I mean, if for no other reason, I mean, the look of that film yeah. is just incredible. I, I agree. I, I really... <clears throat> I really love it, and um, I really like the performance. Um, oh gosh, um, now I'm blanking on it. Uh, it makes me feel dumb. Is it uh, George Kaluris? You mean his Toady? Um, his partner? Yeah, he and I think he got awards for that. I don't remember the actor's name, but um, he had a lot of work. Um, um, yeah, he. I thought he was 
fantastic in that. He was. Yeah, he was great. Uh, he was actually my favorite character because he, he had an arc. Yeah. Oh, Joseph Kalia. That's who that was. And, um, yeah, so I, I have nothing but good things to say about Touch of Evil. I, I love it um, from start to finish. Janet Lee's great in it. And, uh, you know, it's pre-Psycho. And I'm not used to seeing her in something. It, it, it's interesting. Her character is very feisty. She doesn't just kind of fold like a, you know, like a deck of cards or whatever. Like when somebody, like she gets threatened by these, these uh, gang members and she's like, you know who my husband is, right? You know he's gonna come after you. He's gonna get you and everything. She's not. She doesn't just like ah, you know, freak out and everything. I I I liked her in that. Um, and then there's like Dennis Weaver in that bizarre role, uh, as the uh, I guess the night yeah. manager of the the, the I, crappy little motel. Yeah. And, uh, that was just you know I felt like the the version I saw was too long and there's a lot they could have cut out, including that whole character, um, or basically cut him almost all the way out. But um. No, I agree. I, the The score and the fact that there was music, all like kind of radio, big band music playing, and it felt like there's like these sort of two summer nights in a row, like a fever dream kind of feeling. And no, there was a lot to love in it for sure. Yeah, the thing was great with a lot of the music in it. Like you're saying, it, it, a lot of it seems like it's all always like coming from a a, a, a radio, like a yeah. car radio in the Absolutely. distance, or Absolutely. one in the room or something. But it just, but it's, it it works perfectly. Yeah. Um, so I, I never did get to ask you, did you watch season two of the terror? Um, we are about three quarters of the way through it. Oh, okay. So yeah. I look forward to finishing it cause I, I have been wanting to know what you think of it and I know we're going to chit chat when I'm done, but um, okay. I'm watching that with my oldest and he, uh, he's been busy and so we haven't finished it, but yeah, uh, so, I, far, I, so far remember, so good. I remember you saying that you were going to do it all in one day or something. I, what we did, we got started, but, um, you know, my, my, uh, my kiddo is less likely to binge than I am. And so I've got, I'm waiting for him to be done, um, to ready to watch it. He watched Ravenous with me again last night, right. which I just, it's wonderful watching movies with your kids. Um, but you know, I only watch them if the kids want to, I don't like make them watch something with me. And now that they're teenagers, you know, they're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> but he did watch Ravenous with me last night, which was fun. Okay. Well, so I've, man, I have seen a lot of stuff. Um, I saw, I saw Dr. Sleep. Right. The, the sequel to The Shining. And it's interesting because it's a sequel both to the book and the Stanley Kubrick film. They, <clears throat> they did a, a bizarre um, melding of the two. And I know the reason they did it is because they wanted to satisfy fans of the Kubrick film. You know, the, uh, the iconic thing of the, the, the twins in the hallway and the elevator opening with the blood coming out and, you know, all that stuff and, that, and, and the, uh, you know, the famous soundtrack and everything. Um, and it was actually better than I expected. It's not a classic, but it's definitely not the disaster that I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I, I think, and unfortunately, it, it kind of bombed, you know, at the box office, which is a shame. Because uh, I, I think people are kind of missing out on a film that um, I, I think it's a little more cerebral than a lot of modern horror. Gotcha. Which is, which is nice. I like that. I like the fact that uh, it's it's a little, it's not just constant jump scares, you know. 
Um, and Rebecca Ferguson is an incredible villain in it. That's what I've heard. I've yeah. heard people are just loving her performance. Yeah, she's she's great in it. Uh, and, and, you know, and Ewan McGregor is fine. I, I, I think I, the issue I've been having with Ewan McGregor of late is that I see him as Ewan McGregor in everything. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is, is okay, I guess. But I, he doesn't, he, I, I don't feel like he's able to disappear into a character. He, I hear you on that. Although, <clears throat> did you ever see that Western... Um, uh, God, with Natalie Portman, um, Jane got a oh, gun. James yes. got a gun. Um, he was the bad guy in that. And right. weirdly, I didn't recognize him halfway through it. And <laughs> um, But yeah, he does kind of just seem like kind of popping up. I'm Ewan McGregor um, being himself. Um, that said, he's kind of appealing to watch. You know what I mean? Like he's just kind of a, got some charisma or something. Yeah, um, he kind of reminds me of like in like like you know Cary Grant is always Cary Grant. Right, right. But and you like him. There's a lot of actors like that. I mean, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. There's a lot of celebrated actors who are kind of just the same. Tom Hanks, right? So yeah. they they get these huge paychecks and they they're sort of thought of as these great actors, but they're kind of the same guy in every movie, which yeah. is fine. It's fine. Like there's a place for that kind of performer, I think. Um, and the other big thing I saw recently, I saw yesterday, and that and that was uh, Knives Out. Right. Which was wonderful. I've heard nothing but good things. I Well, first of all, I love whodunits. I'm a big right, Agatha right. Christie fan, so I like that kind of thing. And I, I think uh, this might be the most uh, a charming and appealing that Daniel Craig's ever been. Uh, he does this real um, corn-pone accent. Right, I saw it on the trailer, yeah. Yeah, I believe it's foul play. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, he's he's really good. I, I I enjoyed him a great deal, and boy, you know, after ten years, eleven years, whatever it is, of watching Chris Evans as the wholesome Captain America, to watch him really, really, you know, have a great time playing a total prick was so much fun. And he he every scene that he's in, he's fantastic in. Uh, and, and the cast is, is great, you know, like Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, yeah, they're all good. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I, I'm really glad that it's doing well because, you know, they're doing a sequel to the, that uh, Kenneth Branagh Poirot. Yeah, I saw that. That I did not like. Um, but I, and that's fine, I guess, whatever. I would like to see more murder mysteries and I would like a sequel with the Daniel Craig detective character. Right. Because he's a fun character to watch. He's, he's very entertaining. Um, and then um, I, I went on a bit of a, uh, a shopping binge of Blu-rays. Um, so I'm not going to delve into all of them, but I'll, I'll just touch on some of them because I know a couple of them will be interesting to you. Uh, they're all, I think with the exception of one of them, they're all like really beautiful restorations. Yeah, I think the other one's just a transfer. Um, so I got <laughs> uh, Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory, which, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is, it's as, as goofy as it sounds, but it's, it's incredibly entertaining. It's, it's, it's a, a, a German-Italian-French co-production, and it's a, a, about a, a werewolf in a girl's dormitory. In a girl's dormitory? dormitory? Well, you don't say. <laughs> It, it's it's self-explanatory. Mm. Um, uh, I got this um, new Blu-ray of uh, 
uh, a new Paul Nashy uh, release, uh, Assignment Terror, which is incredibly silly, but I, I, I love it. It's a, basically the, it's a very similar plot to, say, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, okay. in that it's Michael Rennie is uh, an alien who's decided to gather all of the monsters together to use to take over the world, like the werewolf and Frankenstein monster and the mummy and okay. Dracula and everything. I don't know how four monsters are going to take over the entire world, but <laughs> sure, well, good, why not? Good for them for trying. Yeah, you know, it's all about confidence. Uh, <laughs> and I got this uh, Shout Factory put out this great um, double feature of the two Philip Marlowe movies that Robert Mitchum did oh, right. in the 70s. Uh, Farewell, My Lovely, and the remake of The Big Sleep. Um, the Big Sleep is kind of kind of a dud um, in comparison to the Bogart right. one. But the but his farewell, my lovely, with you know like playing more of an aging Marlowe, yeah. I think is really really good. Um, I watched that one about five months ago, and I did like it. Yeah, it's great. And um, also, uh, what's her face? Um, Charlotte uh, Rampling. Charlotte Rampling. Yeah. Oh my God, she. I, I never really had paid much attention to Charlotte Rampling and other stuff. Maybe it's, I just never really saw her in uh, her earlier in her career. But man, what a beauty! I really Holy loved her cow. in The Verdict, which is like one of my favorite courtroom mm -hmm. dramas of all time. Yeah. And then I saw her in, I think it was called <clears throat> Swimming Pool, which was a pretty kind of right. cool, you know, sort of surreal mystery. And But she's done a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. But kind of like you, I hadn't seen her in a lot until recently. Um, let's see. Now it's uh, uh, a British, it's kind of a British attempt at a giallo called Terror. <clears throat> from uh, Norman J. Warren, who's made a lot of, uh, you know, British schlock, like in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, you could tell this director, like, was Im influenced by Suspiria with a lot of the use of color and, and absolutely just non-sequitur murders that really seem to not make any sense. Um, and speaking of Jalo, uh, just for you, Kelly, um, the, the immortal classic Watch Me When I Kill... <laughs> Uh, which is fantastic. Um, the tagline is, when I go berserk, you're better off dead. So, yeah, it's true. You know, that's great. Um, <laughs> another strange uh, giallo I got, is this, oh, this is a Spanish one called The Killer of Dolls. Uh, and it's this guy who is, uh, I, he, he's uh, obsessed with tearing dolls apart. And so, of course, it also means that he's a, a serial killer who, who thinks women are, are dolls or whatever. You know. Sure. Like you do. Like you do. Um, another one that I know you just go, go nuts for is the, the bizarrely 4K restoration of Ega. Oh, God. <laughs> Which, why, we were just talking about this. I'm like, why do we watch Ega at least once a year? It's a stupid film. Like, it's not any good. But oh, it's, it's just terrible. weirdly compelling. Yeah, and, and of course, it's like, it's, it's, it says on its special edition, limited 1,500 copy release. Oh, got to so, have it. So, you know, it, you know <laughs> I don't know. And the thing is great, though, is it does include the Mystery Science Theater episode on it, um, mm -hmm. including, you know, an interview with Joel Hodgson and um, Arsh Hall Jr. But 4K. Yeah, why? For EGOT. Yeah. But that said, even these terrible films, like I was just rewatching The Crawling Eye, Trollenberg Terror. Sure. I have, I've seen that film so many times. And I said to Ralph, I said, you know, a really pretty print of this would be nice because it's just, I've got, I've never seen a good print of it. I don't know if one exists right. or not. 
but it does make a difference, even for a terrible film, right? Oh, it does because um, what was that movie? Um, there's this one that I have. Oh, it's it's, it's another Jalo that, that I know you'll you'll love because I'll I'll, I'll uh, inflict it on you later. Uh, called uh, Iguana with the Tongue of Fire, and I Ooh. I had a copy of it and and it was just hideous to look at. Uh, I think really, I saw that one. Really muddy, uh, muddy print to where, honestly, when they revealed the killer, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I was like, who, who's that guy? Who's that character? And then, so then, the, you know, uh, Arrow Video put it out. Like They did a, a gorgeous 4K restoration of it. And <clears throat> I watched it. And, and at the end, I still didn't know who the killer was. Oh, my God. And the reason why is he literally appears only in two scenes like near the beginning of the movie and he's sitting in a car for the main one. And that's the only time I remember seeing the guy. I'm like, cause I started, you know, like scanning through it. Who is he? Why is this a big revelation? I couldn't figure it out. Right, it's cause that's the, re- that's the reveal that he's the killer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my God. I, that I, movie sucked. I did watch it because the B movie cast covered it a few years ago. Oh, did they? Yeah. And like, I seem to remember, isn't Anton differing in it? Um, yes, he's yeah. the 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 uh, uh, what do you call it? He's a a diplomat. Yeah, from Austria or something. I think that's the first Jallo I ever saw. And oh, that's not a good one to start yeah. with. Well, they all they all sucked him, but um, yeah, hey, like, now yeah, but um, it just kept going and showing like sunglasses or like showing yes. a straight razor. <laughs> yes, every single character has the killer's sunglasses, yeah, they and they would show it. it's like da da da, you know. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. You love it. Don't even. You love I, it. Oh, I love it. It's, 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 it's delightfully terrible. Yeah. Uh, and Anton Differing basically gives the exact performance he gives in every single film. Yeah. Uh, the icy, cold, Germanic right. uh, character. Which, by the way, uh, he stars in Circus of Fear. I've seen that one. Yeah. Which is, which is in, in February, what uh, the, uh, the Mystery Science Theater uh, stage show is going to be doing here in oh. um uh, in uh, Oakland, and I'm going to be seeing it. Yay! <clears throat> <laughs> wow. Or not Oakland? No, uh, San Francisco at the Golden Gate Theater. Nice. Um, and anyway, so then I got the this uh, uh, 2K restoration of the Human Monster with uh, Bela Lugosi from what 1930, 39. Um, and again, that was one I'd only seen a copy of it that was absolute garbage, and I couldn't tell what was happening. And this is beautiful. It's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. It's an Edgar Wallace adaptation. And my last two are two Hammer films um, that I basically just upgraded because they did a beautiful job on these. And one of them is uh, Blood from the Mummy's Tomb and The Devil Rides Out with uh, Christopher oh, Lee yeah. in, in a rare good guy role for right. him. Uh, which, which, by the way, he's a really good, uh, he does a really good job as a hero. You know, you don't get many of those. I think the other only other one I can think of off the top of my head would be the Gorgon. Yeah, and sort of um, Hound of the Baskervilles. He's not really a good sure. guy, but he's definitely not the villain, although he's kind of a rapey guy. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's the but he's, what, Henry, he's Baskerville. Henry Baskerville. Yeah, so yeah. Well, you know, I love Christopher Lee. So I, I wanted to mention, um, I did watch another one that's kind of relevant, especially you brought up Daniel Craig. I watched uh, Layer Cake. Had, have you seen that? Gangster kind I've of... I've never actually seen that, no. So it's Matthew Vaughn is the director, and I believe he did the Kingsman films, which I think you yes. liked. Yeah, and I love those. I think he did, um, you know, he produced like Snatch. And anyways, so he's kind of got that edgy, you know, British gangster <clears throat> thing going. And Layer Cake has a lot of 
talent in it, um, including, um, oh my gosh, I forgot the guy's name, Michael Gambone, uh, mm -hmm. whom I love him in everything I've ever seen him in. I love him so much. Um, but it's actually pretty great, uh, 2004 Layer Cake. Um, and I, I found it actually kind of a sweet film, although it's a gangster film. But I, if you like those kind of movies at all, um, like it was pretty fun. And then the other thing, you'd mentioned Chris Evans. Did you ever mm. see the film Puncture from 2011? No. So he plays, uh, it's like based on a true story, and he plays a lawyer um, who is getting involved in like a health um, class action suit or something like that for needle sticks. And um, he also has an addiction issue. And the film is almost, it almost feels like a TV movie in some ways, mm. but it, he did really great in it. And I, I absolutely loved it. And it's a little bit more, like we don't associate him with serious films very much, but it's a fairly serious movie. And I totally recommend it if you like Chris Evans. Well, and I really do hope you see Knives Out because it is really fantastic. I'm it, definitely going to see it. I, I've heard nothing but good things. Okay, so uh, on to our main event. Uh, it's the late 19th century, and two men are assigned to lighthouse keeper duty in the middle of nowhere. Soon, both men begin to question their sanity as the days turn to months and relief doesn't come. So from then on, it's plenty of mermaids, booze, thick New England accents, and enough masturbation to drown SpongeBob SquarePants and his pineapple under the sea in the lighthouse. A timberman want with being a wiki. Just looking to earn a living, just like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? <laughs> So, <laughs> Kelly, The Lighthouse. Yeah, so um, I loved it. Um, All right, so yeah. next movie. <laughs> yeah, next no. movie. Let's go on. Uh, no, I loved it. I, you, you said two men question their sanity, but I don't think at any point Willem Dafoe ever self-identifies as sane in this film. <laughs> like, well, like, yeah. he seems like he's kind of like off like from the, day from the one, beginning. But, and he's pretty yeah. comfortable with that. Um, yeah, he's okay with it. Yeah, I this film was spectacular. I only have one complaint about it. But otherwise, mm -hmm. it's 100 percent awesome. I absolutely loved it. I'm going to be watching it again. Um, 
you know, I hadn't watched a trailer, of course. I only knew that it was black and white. I knew it was shot in this like 1.19 colon one aspect ratio. I kind of got a Bergman feel kind of just from the visuals that I'd seen. And I knew the two men that were in it. And I knew it had this sort of surreal horror. And um, I I just loved it. I loved um, it's weird. There's there's several films called The Lighthouse and several called something similar. And they're all about men going batshit um, being. <laughs> I, so I don't know. Lighthouse keepers are probably feeling stereotyped at this point. So right out of the gate, this passes the Bechdel test. Um, <laughs> it's the what's the opposite of the Beck where it's just all about men and their toxic masculinity. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it does have that mermaid for like two seconds. Yeah. So yeah, no, there's only two guys in it, and there's some flash. There's some sort of hallucinations where other they there are just a couple other people. There's a yeah, mermaid and then there's someone from Pattison's past, right? There's a right. character he you know, is remembering. Um and you know what this film was about more than I thought it was going to be about is alcoholism. Um because that's when things really kick it up a notch. <laughs> oh, and they start just like boozing it up with that that cache of uh of uh, bottles they find well you know the way i read it and as you know like i'm an alcoholic i've been sober almost nine years and i have like i feel very passionate about how this is portrayed on film but the way i read it defoe isn't the alcoholic he's a hard drinker but he's not an alcoholic and pattison is and so pattison's kind of dealing with defoe being which by the way after watching this tim you can never complain about your job or your boss ever again because (laughs) Pattison has to just at the whole first third of the film he just has to he's just a dog's body just doing all of this grueling work that oh yeah creepy mean gross old man is making him do and he's kind of Pattison's kind of barely holding it together and and the day before they're supposed to get picked up he finally joins in on drinking with Defoe and that's when it really kicks off and things get really start because and he's they're just constantly drinking for the rest and they end up, you know, devolving into drinking denatured spirits, you know, turpentine, you know? Yeah. 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 Cause they, they run out of food. And so they're just like, the only thing they have is any type of, you right. know, liquid they can ingest. And of course it, um, let me, okay. Right off the bat, let me say, it's like, as someone who absolutely detests the twilight films, I was like, ugh, Robert oh, really? Pattinson. Okay. All right. Oh my God. You know, I, I was not, just like, you know, I'm honestly, I had a knee-jerk reaction when they announced him as Batman, right? Okay, right. I was just like, I, I, the only thing I've ever seen of him is those films, and I just wanted to barf when I heard he was going to be Batman. I'm like, I, he's not what I picture. Okay. Now, when I watch this movie, he's fantastic in it. Yeah, both he's, of them are great. He's really, really – I mean, yeah, I mean, like Defoe, I expect greatness from Defoe. I mean, he's, he's, he's never – for me, he's never given a performance that I thought was less than 100%. Yeah. Um, but Pattinson, is, he's so good in it. Yeah. And he's got these uh, – I'll tell you something. It, turned my, it changed my opinion about him as Batman because he has – there's shots in this where he has just dead eyes. Right. And I was like, okay, that's Batman. I, huh. I can see that. You know, yeah. he's got that, that – that, uh, the look of someone 
who, you know, any joy in his life is gone. And I, when you have, you, you find out, you know, they, they peel the layers of the onion back, you find out why he's there, you know, and uh, I, it, it's, it's a real simple plot. It's real. It, it's you know. It's not a super long movie. Although I mean, it pushes two hours, uh, but it never ceases to be fascinating to watch. Even yeah. though it's mainly just two guys screaming at each other, right? For, <laughs> for a lot of you know. But I mean, uh, first of all, I, Defoe's accent is fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what he said half the time. Yeah. Oh, you called to me? I actually found the script and read it um, to help me with that. Oh, really? Um, and uh, they did pare down the film a bit from the script. And I feel like the film is still just a tiny bit too long. Um, the, but, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the, the other thing people might not, and like, we, I know you have that disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast, you know, this is a spoiler podcast and Tim and I are revealing lots of spoilers, but just turn back and watch the film. I mean, honestly, it's better, it's better seen without knowing anything. But the other thing that um, I loved was the comedy. Um, in one of their early scenes of them finally getting drunk together and starting to go off the rails, there's a scene where Pattison berates um, <laughs> Defoe's cooking because Pattison oh, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't like eating salt cod. And, you know, he's an inland, he's a logger, basically. And they have this fight and Willem <laughs> Defoe is so hurt that, um, that Pattison doesn't like his food. Yeah. And he delivers this scary curse. He stands up and he starts saying, you know, may Poseidon come down. Like he delivers this absolutely. <laughs> and it's lit, it's lit in this scary way. It's a very scary moment. And, he, and it's a very long, it's an amazing monologue. I mean, Defoe is amazing in this. And then they end that monologue and, and Pattison's on the floor and he's like, he's like, fine, I, I guess I like your cooking. And, uh, you know, it's just... <laughs> There's so much comedy in it, and the comedy doesn't detract from the horror. There's some great horror. There's some body horror. There's also the most disturbing oh, yeah. part of the film for me, far and away, was when Pattison beats that goal to death um, on, yeah, this, on the I, cistern. That was, that was upsetting. There, so there's lots of there's gore and there's unsavory stuff, but that scene was really amazingly... Hor horrific and so there's sort of some of the worst horror i've seen there's this wonderful tie into myth there's this sort of homoeroticism like there's all this great stuff and there's just great comedy i was la cracking myself up at a few parts it's just beautifully done well <coughs> uh i have to say oh boy this this has got to be one of the most beautifully shot films i've seen in yeah like a decade at least uh i first of all i love black and white and to me there's nothing better than black and white horror or black and white noir when you've got somebody who really knows how to shoot it yeah and light it and there are scenes in the first of all defoe with that fantastic beard <laughs> <laughs> you know and that defoe face it was made for black and white uh, for black and white horror there like the scene you were talking about where he gives that speech about yeah. his cooking and then there's a, a a brief sequence where he uh pattinson uh pictures him as poseidon yeah that was great holy He's, shit yeah. that looked amazing yeah you know and this is only a four million dollar budget film yeah 
but it looks like you know a hundred million dollars from as far as I'm concerned. I I, I think it's um, it's yes, fantastic. Probably more than any film that's at least coming to mind. This film treats the actors' bodies the same way the set is because every aspect of these two men's physiology is exploited in this film. Just the severity of their features and their bodies, because uh, there's a lot of nudity. Um, and that was really well done. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was really a work of art. And I think, I think people have responded pretty well to it. Um, it wasn't quite as crazy as I thought it would be, but maybe I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a little like, I'm like, bring it on. Um, but it was great. My one complaint is I don't tend to like ambiguous endings. Mm -hmm. because I feel like the director has has done so much manipulation to help us sort of know what's you know these characters are going through like the director has made so many decisions for us and then for at the end the director to be like and who knows what this means I've just that leaves me cold and that's my only complaint about the film is that I felt like the I I do believe the ending is pretty ambiguous and I was like eh, I wanted an answer you know so yeah. Uh, well, now, now uh, the director Robert Eggers is some. I I, I loved uh, the witch. Did right. you see that? No, not yet. Oh, okay. Uh, the witch is very similar in the ambiguity department, and also in you know, for me, I know when this when a trailer first came out, everybody was like, "Oh, uh, the best horror film of the year." I don't view it as a horror film. Like definitely, at all. Yeah, yeah, I think of it as a psychological drama. It's definitely yeah. got horror elements for sure. Yeah, it's mainly just a it's a, a two character study, basically a psychological study of two people just falling apart and just wanting driving each other nuts, you know, in an isolated area. Um, <clears throat> and uh, but I mean, it, it was the same thing. They said the same thing about how like, oh, the witch is like this 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 horror film, and it's like it's a great movie, but I don't consider it to be horror either. Yeah. Now at the end, there is horror to it. Yeah. Like with this one, it goes it gets dark at the end. Um, but I I to, I would never put this in a horror section in a video store. I guess is the way I would put it. I would put it under drama. Yeah. I could see I could see it either way because there's definitely a lot of you know body horror and there's gore and there's violence and animal cruelty and um, every body fluid you can picture. <laughs> there's oh, yeah. a lot of this is a very semeny film and and I don't mean yeah. <laughs> there's there's things that allude to semen and then there's like actual semen like it's yeah. just, you know there's a lot of that. <laughs> um, but no, I I just loved it. Um, I, I did feel like the ending let us down, but it's hard. It's hard to wrap up a film when it's got so much. Like you just feel like you could watch it every week, you know, like another installment, right? Um, yeah, like yeah. the weekly series. Of yeah, the, and, and like yeah. Uh, like Gilligan's Island, maybe some like somebody shipwrecks on there. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. I loved it, and I'm I'm definitely going to be watching it again um, because there I would be paying a little more attention because like one of the questions is you know, did Pattison kill the guy that he keeps thinking about, the guy that he's fantasizing about when he masturbates, the guy that he thought about killing, did he kill him? And I don't think he did. I think he, what happened is exactly what he said happened, that he fantasized and wanted to kill the guy, and then he stood by while the guy got um, drowned in a log jam. Right, um, he just didn't help him. Yeah, and that's what I think happened. Some people think that, no, he committed the murder. I don't think so. And then it's like, did Willem Dafoe kill his previous... Um, partner and I, right. I feel like if i watch the film again i might i might know because i kind of don't know so so uh what would you give this nine out of ten 
Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think I, I'd put it up there too. I think it's one of the films, best films of the year. From yeah. What I, what I saw, um, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, super I, fun. I agree with that. <laughs> Great time. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, we cram our hands down the overnight return slot at the local video store to scavenge two more VHS classics. Kelly, you want to start us off? Setting the stage, 2nd Lieutenant John Boyd is a coward of the Mexican-American War, unable to face battle, but nevertheless, due to luck, and perhaps something else, is awarded commendations for valor in a military fluke. Considered an embarrassment, he is banished to a remote outpost in the Sierra Nevadas, a post manned by a skeleton crew, consisting of an affable commanding officer and a few drunks, incompetents, and potheads. The weak-countenanced Boyd languishes in this obscurity until the relative peace of the outpost is disrupted by a disheveled, starving, but somehow rather healthy and hale-looking straggler who arrives at the fort. The straggler, a settler named Calhoun, tells the soldiers of a wagon train gone awry, stranded and falling prey to first opportunistic, then homicidal cannibalism. As the group mounts a small rescue party to find survivors, Calhoun's behavior becomes increasingly erratic and Boyd begins to suspect more horrors are in short order. Join us on our sojourn with this dark comedy that is completely not an allegory for something besides cannibalism. The menu will indeed have you feeling ravenous. We're sending you to California, Fort Spencer. We have four missing soldiers, Captain, and no bodies. We need a supportable explanation. Captain John Boyd is about to discover... No one just ends up at Fort Spencer. We come for a reason. Yours being? Well... Something he never imagined. We have a great sense of camaraderie here at Fort Spencer. <laughs> this Indian scout told me a curious story. Winged eagle. It's an old Indian myth from the north. Man eats the flesh of another. <gasps> he absorbs the other man's strength. Now, one man must choose. We need others. Between having dinner Not bad. and being dinner. So annoying. Guy Pierce. Ives! I'm gonna kill him. Robert Carlyle. He was tough, but then a good soldier ought to be. Jeffrey Jones. Me, uh, I'll bring you into the fold. What's wrong? David Arquette. <laughs> There's no guilt. I gotta eat. Ah! It's tough making friends. <laughs> eat to live. Don't live to eat. Huh? That was really sneaky. He was licking me! Ravenous. Bon appetit. <laughs> So let me let me just tell you, like right off the uh, out of the gate, I do not like cannibal films. I've oh. never I've never <laughs> liked them, and and the Italians made a lot of those right. in the seventies, like Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox and stuff like that. Um, and so there's something about it that just I find incredibly unsavory uh, as, as entertainment. 
so I went into this with a real negative outlook to it. <laughs> okay, um, so you, you knew it was about cannibalism before you watched it? Oh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Okay. I've heard about it. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the, this shows where I'm at mentally. Uh, I, I started it up uh, right when I was sitting down to eat. Perfect. And I'm like, in the opening scene, I'm like, oh, God, is it the whole movie going to be like people like... I'm like it's like oh my god right <laughs> I mean if there's one thing that's that's honestly in my 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 um list of things that absolutely drive me up the wall is people chewing loudly with their mouth open I mean it, it literally can make me go homicidal I do, I you absolutely know what detest that do you know what that's called I know there's a name for it. Misophonia. It's that um, hatred of sounds like eating, chewing, or even, you know, loud breathing. Yeah, yeah I, it, it's, it, it just is horrible for me. It wasn't like the shot, because they kept doing like a shot of his bloody steak. Right. And Which, by the way, th- these guys didn't even look like they bothered to throw it on the friggin' flames or right. anything. <laughs> cook it. I mean, holy crap. Um, but that didn't bother me. It was just the constant... The, the the accumulation of sounds of people like smacking their lips together and you know the the chewing and stuff that would, I had to actually kind of like mute it for a second right because I was like oh my god I'm gonna barf or whatever um, I have to say how come Guy Pierce isn't a bigger star that's a great question and I told so my oldest son and I love this film and we've watched it together a couple times and. We love it for lots of reasons and and mostly about some of the subtext in the film because you know not everybody cares about that but I do and um, but I told Phoenix I said you know I think this film came out in 1999 and I was in love with Guy Pierce I had seen him in Priscilla Queen of the Desert um, you know we were seeing him in what he was in Memento and L.A. Confidential and um, he is incredibly talented he's great at accents. Um, you know, you wouldn't know he's Australian from most of his films. Um, and he has, you know, I think he's in a new, a newish Netflix. Um, oh, I think it's called The Innocence. And of course, he was in one of those. Was he in Prometheus or the second one? Uh, you know, uh, alien I, movies. I think he was in Prometheus. Well, he was also he was also in uh, Alien Covenant. OK, so, yeah, he was in I think he's in Prometheus as well. Yeah. So, you know, he's super talented. I, I don't know why um, we don't see or, and know more about him. But um, he's, this film, I was just smitten. And, of course, I think this was the first time I saw Robert Carlyle, whom I've since seen in lots of other projects. And I loved him as well in this. Oh, he's 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 great in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I just you know the only thing I'd really seen that I can remember seeing Guy Pearson was L.A. Confidential. Right. And I thought he was fantastic in that, and he's really good in this too. Uh, and Robert Carlyle, boy, what a what a creepy villain. Yeah, he's in, so in great this. as a villain. Like, I did you ever watch? Um, oh, what's the one about drugs? Uh, Train Spotting. Um, yeah, Train Spotting. Yeah, I, I never saw Train Spotting, oh. and, and, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I have much like uh, war films. I have an aversion to films about drug addiction. Okay, gotcha. I don't care for them. Well, I didn't but, like yeah. Train Spotting that much, but he is great in it. He plays a basically a domestic abuser, um, and he's just great, and he's awful. 
Um, he also, around that time, was in the Full Monty, and of course he plays an out-of-work um, single dad steel worker. Did you ever watch uh, Full Monty? Yes. So he's adorable in that. So he's kind of capable. And I've seen, I've since come to see Hamish Macbeth, which is the very adorable little Scottish, um, you know, TV show kind of where he plays a, you know, provincial um, cop in the Highlands or wherever. So yeah, he's capable of doing a lot. Um, but this was, I think, the first time I saw him. And so he, he kind of shows up and he's this He's got PTSD from this horrific, you know, wagon train that resorted to cannibalism. And then as they are traveling to find the survivors of this uh, possible possible survivors, he starts acting a little more sinister. Right. And I just. Yeah, you, he's, he's an unreliable narrator. Basically. Yes. Yeah. So um, I just loved that. And I loved the humor in the film because there was a lot of that, um, a lot of dark, like the scene where he starts chasing the the preacher and they just have this like yeah. random fiddle music that's like knee slapping and they're you know very very um very off like center kind of comedy and um yeah like i i loved this film the first time i saw it and i've probably seen it about five times since and um i just think it's brilliant well i'll tell you uh, my favorite part of the film actually is the score yeah it's a very strange uh, score. It seems to combine, you know, uh, like uh, Civil War banjo kind of music with uh, uh, synthesizer, you know, like minimalist synthesizer tracks. Um, it, it almost is. Uh, I, God, I, I really don't even know how to how to describe it. It's very strange there there's parts in the film where the music comes up and it seems almost like it's uh uh like it it, it shouldn't work right with what's going on because some of it there'll be something like really like horrible like a bunch of people getting murdered and it's like right. but it <laughs> but it, it seems it works though i i and i i i can't really say why it just it just does, but I I I loved the uh, the score. I, that was uh, probably my favorite thing about it. it was like I guess who was it? Michael Nyman did it. Yeah, but um, also in partnership with Damon Albarn, who mm -hmm. is one of the founders of Blur and Gorillas. So yeah. that's kind of where that more pop kind of electronic sensibility comes in. Um, and I think it was just one of those perfect. Because Michael Nyman, I think he did um, the soundtrack for, like, the piano and, right. um, you know, so the two of them just kind of, ma the whole film is a bit of a mashup. I think they changed directors halfway through. Like, there was, I know right. they, they built the set impossibly fast, um, so it was really kind of mashed together, and it kind of ends up being a great act of serendipity, including the score. Yeah, the the original director was uh, I God, I can't even I, this name's a challenge. Uh, Mil, Mil, Milko Manchevsky, I guess he was only they fired him like a week into the production, right? <laughs> uh, so you know, it, it ended up with Antonio Bird, but um, the film first of all beautiful, beautifully shot in, in Slovakia, even though it's supposed to be in uh, America, but um, okay. Let me ask you the ending of the film. Which I, I absolutely, <laughs> I, I love how he, how uh, 
Pierce gets Carlisle at the end. With the bear trap. With the giant bear trap, uh, which I thought was, was great. And he, and he kind of says that. He's like, what, does he say something like, good he said, one? He said that was pretty sneaky. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> sneaky or whatever. And I thought that was great. Um, so now the general that's played by uh, John Spencer he used they cut over to him during that scene yeah. which is kind of an uh, an odd juxtaposition of him trying the stew yeah that's been made you know from major Knox. right <laughs> uh does that mean that now he's gonna be like a, a, a wendigo as well yeah I, I definitely got like again like i don't like to get too deep i mean on this podcast but i definitely felt like this this film is an allegory for a man's fear of his own homosexuality and you know, Robert Carlyle is trying to seduce Guy Pierce and say, sure. run with it, you know, let's go for it. And um, when Guy Pierce participates, he gets stronger, right? When he when he caves in and participates, he's he gets healthy because in the whole beginning of the film, he's kind of this weak. He's got a weak will. He looks weak. He's he's got a milk. Yeah, he's very pale. Yes. And when he does consume and you know we've got i don't know how to pronounce his name but private reich um played by neil mcdonough yeah man was that a great casting call or what he's just the eight the perfect Ary, yeah. aryan blonde hair blue-eyed superman Type right yes ubermensch <laughs> yeah. yep and that's the first person that guy pierce eats right when he gets yeah. stuck yeah so that's so at the end when the two men are in the bear trap and they you know guy pierce elects to die rather than to continue um you know on with cannibalism right they're, they're in this very loving pose um it's yeah and he's like got a, his hand on his cheek yeah it's like a cuddle it's very kind of yeah. sweet and this with um john spencer sampling i just i just took that as saying look this this you know there's always going to be men that are gonna find another man uh you know what i mean that's like it's like that forbidden love piece and that Spencer was going, mm, this is, this is actually pretty tasty. So, you know, <laughs> like that's kind of how I saw it. If you weren't looking for the allegory, yeah, you would say that, that the Wendigo um, continues on, you know? So, yeah. And, and, and I, I did love how like at the end, like Martha's looking in <laughs> and she sees him and she turns around like, fuck this. Fuck this. <laughs> yep. She's the only woman in the film, and she she's like, "I'll see you later." She walks out of the fort. She's yep. just gone. She's just, that's it. <laughs> I also love the scene where oh. Carlisle comes out to have a smoke, and when he when he admits to Guy Pierce that he's the villain, you know, and they have this talk, and and he says, um, he says, "You didn't finish, uh, you didn't finish eating Reich, but I don't blame you. He was tough." And he says, "A good sol yeah. a good soldier should be," or something like that. Yeah. So you, so, you know, I, I actually don't like cannibalism films either. Yeah. Um, probably my one exception is this film. And then I did like Bone Tomahawk, which isn't quite a cannibalism film, but cannibalism does feature quite heavily. In Boy, the that is a gruesome film. Yeah, and I loved it. Um, but no, I tend to not like um, films that, you know, this is an exception for me. And like, just, I mean, if you think about it, like for me, all, all flesh is is disgusting <laughs> you know like whether it's a cow or a human so for me that that's very much you know the horror part of it that i that i like but yeah there's definitely some blood in this film for sure oh, oh yeah <laughs> yeah half the cast gets eliminated in like a two minute sequence which was such a great that scared me that the first time i saw that scene where carlisle starts acting really off and the music comes up and um 
oh, he's very bizarre. He's doing yeah. like this weird thing with his hands. Yeah. And he's like, ha, ha, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. I was like, what the hell is he doing? Right. <laughs> What's going on? And what is the name? I always forget the actor, the the redheaded big man who was in Ferris Bueller and Beetlejuice. Uh, Jeffrey um, Jones. Jeffrey. He's so great in this because he plays the kind of schlub. Um, you know, he's a yeah. pretty nice guy. He's kind of stuck out in the middle of nowhere. And of course, he ends up um, becoming a cannibal out of cowardice, really, um, which is kind of a yeah. cool little, yeah, so. Well, yeah, it, you know, Jeffrey Jones was uh, an actor. I liked him in everything I ever saw him in. And, you know, then that whole other thing happened, and it's like, uh, I so don't, now it's hard for me to watch him. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't? No. Oh. Should I tell you or not? <laughs> uh, let me guess. He he's some kind of predator. Yes. Ah, well. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, that's why you haven't seen him in anything. Oh, okay. In a long time. I was gonna say, wasn't he in Deadwood? Oh gosh, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember, but. Um, I feel like he was. He's. Uh, let me see. I mean, the last thing he did. Uh, well, yeah, he was. He was on Deadwood. Yeah, yeah, I seem to remember him. Uh, so yeah, so he was recently in Deadwood the movie. Um, but Which yeah, I haven't I, seen. Yeah, so I mean, other than that, he hasn't worked since uh. 2012. Um, and it, it's it's a shame that that he had to go down that road because yeah. he really is a fun actor to watch. Um. But yeah, so well, there's there's a lot of that predation, and yeah, they absolutely shouldn't work again. <laughs> They're out. So no, I did, actually, I didn't know that about him. I'm actually surprised that he was in the the Deadwood movie that HBO did. Yeah, um, that surprises me. Uh, but well, oh well. Uh, <laughs> and then so, there was the who played the little Weasley pastor guy because I feel like I've seen him in something. Uh, oh, Jeremy Davies. Uh, Jeremy Davies, yeah. What have I, like, I just, let me look him up. Oh, it was Justified. He played, I think, a redneck in Justified. Did you ever watch Justified? The Brig Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. or, I like Justified. Yeah, he, he was Dickie Bennett. Yeah, a bunch of, um, yeah, real real rednecky. He was also on the the, um, the, the revival of Twin Peaks from... Uh, ah. Which I haven't seen. A couple years, which oh, oh, it's so good! Oh my god, I love it so much. Um, but yeah, so uh, what do you, what do you give um, the ravenous? Uh, it's got a personal um, hold on me, and I'm gonna give it an eight. Um, I I just love it. It's a lot of fun. I have fun every time I watch it. Uh, I get. I, I'm gonna give it a six just because, like I said, I, I have a real hard time with cannibalistic right? stuff. It, it it really bugs me, it but it was do, yeah. but it was really well done, and I I almost would consider buying the score just because i really liked it so much yeah it's pretty cool score because uh, it, it's it's just so unique but uh yeah so uh we'll be right back after these messages with our final selection mm. You crave that corn when it's freshly bopped. You gotta beat it to the box with the butter on the top. Get with it, man. Start strolling down to the sweets that you're rolling. The best in town. Our candy's real gone, if I'm understood. To all you squares, that means 
The confection is positively delicious. Cork that stuff. Give me five. Let me send you into this nutty jive. Go, man, go. It ain't very far. Shake it on down to this cool snack bar. Come on, Jill. Give us a treat. A friendly pepper upper with a tasty beat. What's your pleasure, sir or madam, and all you kiddies, too? Sandwiches, freshly made from quality ingredients, soft drinks, cool, tangy, and refreshing. A hot dog? There you are, tender, juicy, done to a turn with some fixings. Hamburgers, ma'am? Just the way you like them, meaty, moist, and broiled to perfection. Soft drinks, kiddies? Take your choice, cold, tingly with flavor, all your favorite soft drinks for your selection. Something to eat for everyone, soft drinks to make your evening complete. Delicious, fresh and satisfying to help your entertainment reach the peak of family fun. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies, Meet fearless podcaster, Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others, too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fried prostitute. But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information, too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. And now, on with the show. And we're back. Coming this fall to NBC, Dr. Jan Chalice is every nurse's dream. Hardworking, dedicated, drinks like a fish, and he solves cyborg murders. Enter Ellie Grimbridge as she's looking for the answer as to who crushed her dad's admittedly already smushed-looking face. Before long, Ellie and Dr. Chalice are headed to the local mask-making factory in a small Irish community and fighting witches, warlocks, and robo-yuppies in a battle to save the world from face-melting magic. Can any woman resist Chalice's sweaty charms, or will we all be doomed on Halloween 3, the season of the witch? You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. 
Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke of the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it! The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. The night no one comes home. Season of the Witch. <laughs> okay. Uh, I already, I mean, uh, I know we both love this movie. You <laughs> so. know... I have to say, I did not like it as much as I thought I did. Really? Yeah, because I hadn't seen it for many, many years, and I rewatched oh, it, and I was like, I, ah. I love it so much. I know. And, you know, I was thinking about this because I know the film is a little controversial in horror circles just because it literally has nothing to do with pretty much the rest of the Halloween canon. Correct. And I think that's one reason people can be pissy about it. Oh, absolutely. But if yeah. you just view it as a separate... 80s horror film i think people wouldn't be so pissy about it yeah it, you know and you know the whole thing behind that is john carpenter they the studio wanted him to do another one and he was like no michael's dead dr loomis is dead i blew them both up you know that's it but what i will do is how about we do a, a different Halloween themed horror film right. every year, right? Like an anthology kind like of, like an anthology. Yeah. And you know, the studio is like, oh, okay, sure. And unfortunately, having the word Halloween in the title made people go there thinking that they're going to see Michael Myers, and they were pissed. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and you know, and it's a shame because I, I think it's absolutely fantastic it's now i'm, I'm gonna admit to you right off the the, the bat it has huge logic problems <laughs> and script problems and it's it suffers from uh i guess the only word i can come up with for is just dumbness, <laughs> <laughs> dumbness. I, I mean there's stuff in it where you just go what huh what huh right. you know because it, it's just like okay for those if people who haven't seen it, what's going on? Connell Cochran is a, a modern-day warlock who runs a, a, a mask and novelty factory. And his scheme is he implants these microchips that have... <laughs> they're not micro. They're pretty big. <laughs> yeah, they're, well, they're big, big macrochips uh, that, that each contain a piece of Stonehenge. Right. <laughs> I'm never gonna, I, I can't even do this. <laughs> Piece of Stonehenge in each microchip, and they are put into these masks. So when kids on Halloween watch their 
silver shamrock commercials, it makes their heads like melt into bugs and spiders and snakes. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole plan. Yeah. And they actually ship, they show it that like somebody stole one of the pieces of Stonehenge <laughs> and shipped it to America. Yeah. <laughs> Through customs. <laughs> so he's got this, God, this movie's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> and it's this, so they just show these scientists like with these computers surrounding this big block of stone from Stonehenge and they've got little picks and they're like ding 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 yeah. ding they, they they've got like off a, little pieces. they've taken a McRib chonk out of this like yeah yeah big Stonehenge rock and that's so great because the bad guy says you know it was really hard how we got this piece of Stonehenge you wouldn't believe it and then they just move on yeah <laughs> like, like you wouldn't believe that story but like, anyway tell us don't yeah. show us you know right because we don't actually have an answer we don't have a budget uh, and we don't yeah. know how we did it and oh, let's God. just move on yeah so yeah. Yeah, so that's your story. Yeah, your and, story. And so, well, you're doing air quotes around the word story here. You're, yeah, that's your story. And so, our hero is this middle-aged, uh, alcohol, clearly alcoholic, doctor, and um, he's. I, I have a hard time with it. Is he supposed to be? He's divorced, right? Yeah, or at least separated, and or he at has least an, separated. He has an ex, he, and yeah, Nancy Loomis is his ex-wife. Right. Yeah, and uh, you know. Carpenter, stalwart Nancy Loomis, and uh, so it, it's obvious that the reason that they're divorced is because he basically hits on every woman in the in his vicinity. Because you see him hitting on at least four different women in the first twenty minutes. Uh, uh, there's that one uh, one uh, older nurse, right. and he smacks her on the yeah, ass. Literally, hits and she's on like, her. "Oh, right. you know, <laughs> like she thought, oh, you delightful lech." Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. uh, then there's the, the the woman in the in the morgue, right? The do the sexy doctor, lady. the sexy doctor who clearly he's had something with before, right? You know, it's like, oh, you when are we gonna you're gonna take me out for another steak dinner, you know? And then of course here comes the the, the dead guy that gets brought in at the or he gets killed at the beginning in the hospital and his daughter with the with the wonderful name of Ellie Grimbridge, right? You know. <laughs> And, and, and uh, she must be like 21, you know, and he's probably 55. Yeah, actually, I think they literally have a 24 year age difference. Um, the actual actors. Yeah. Yeah. And he immediately is horny for her and, and, and vice versa. She's all over Dr. Chalice. Right. She wants a piece of that. Right. And, and so he's like, yeah, sure. I'll just leave my job and go to Santa Myra. Um, and leave uh, his kids for his wife to take care of. Yeah, he yeah, just takes off. Yeah, it's like, oh, I, honey, uh, I got called out of town. I got to go. Bye. And you see him, and he grabs like a six-pack of Schlitz <laughs> or, 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 uh, or old Milwaukee or something and like runs into the car with just like just the six-pack of beer. Right. <laughs> it just up and leaves his friggin' job as a doctor. Oh, by the way, he seems to be the only doctor in that hospital, kind of like in Halloween too, it's the most deserted that hospital. Is, that yes, very much so. It, it, I, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Haddonfield Memorial because <laughs> it's like the same thing where it's like nobody turns on any lights, right? And, and there's like one doctor and two nurses in, in attendance in the entire place, so people can just walk in and um, crush somebody's face, right? <laughs> right, and there's a lot of sort of head and face crushing, which um, yeah. 
you know, no one today would think the special effects look good, but they are pretty fun if you're a horror fan like right. Tim and I are. Um, but I just have to laugh at how smashable that guy's head is. I mean, it was, oh, yeah. it was like a marshmallow. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I could have done that, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, basically he goes and he like grabs the guy's nose right. and I, I assume his lower it. jaw yeah. and just kind of like right. tears it or rips yeah. it or something. Yeah. And it's not so much like you don't see it as much as you hear it. Right. And it's like, oh. Right. <laughs> and then there's another guy that gets decapitated because these two suit guys just like basically pull his head off. Yeah, there's a couple of those. I'm trying to remember. There's, there's definitely a guy getting squished the by a car. There's, yeah, there's someone gets in the, isn't there like a junkyard where someone gets their head torn off? Uh, Well, well, the ch- the junkyards where one of the one of the uh, the suited uh, cyborgs or whatever gets uh, smushed against the wall with the uh, uh, the car. Okay, yeah, that's he gets smushed. But there's in a half scene later in the film. I I don't mm-hmm. remember, but yeah, there's there's some good like fun uh, practical effects gore. Of course, back yeah. then that's all they had. Although they do a tiny bit of CGI at the end with um <laughs> or not. It's probably not CGI. It's probably just um animated, where. So Cochrane is this, the bad guy, right? He's the mastermind. Yes. And he literally has kind of no reason except that he's like a witch. Like he's like, you know, yeah. that's his only reason of trying to, you know, commit this mass murder across the globe. Um, and, you know, by horror movie standards, his death isn't good enough. I mean, you know what I mean? They just kind of zap him and he disappears. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's kind of like, a, it, honestly, that's, to me, it's kind of a... a uh, anticlimactic. It is because you know he's he's a nasty guy. I mean, um, someone I read a review that said this film is anti. It's anti-capitalism. It's anti-children and it's anti-Irish. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, this is all true. But um, for being such a nasty bad guy in most horror movies, he would have met a much more grisly death. And he just well, kind of yeah. he just kind of gets beamed up. So I right. I, I have to say, uh, every year at Halloween. I post his little monologue when he's got Dr. Chalice tied up, um, you know, holding him prisoner, and he puts the mask on him. He's going to make him watch the Silver Shamrock commercial. Um, <clears throat> I love that scene. That makes that made him just that one scene there made him one of my all-time favorite villains. He has such you know Dan O'Hurley. He has that great voice. Yeah, and they have that. Uh, they use music that's actually cribbed from the original Halloween in the background. And uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's so creepy when he's describing, you know, like how, how in the past the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Right, right. Uh, you know, and, and he's so great. Just like, uh, he's like, why? It's like, you know, <laughs> like, uh, sacrifices you know right. he's just so he's so good and he kind of stops and he's got this smile and he kind of then the smile goes away from his face and he's like happy halloween right you know and it's so good yeah it is that's a good little <laughs> monologue i mean you know the reasons are still a little sketchy but it's like all right fine yeah it's like well you know we're gonna do it because stuff yeah <laughs> i would reasons i would be remiss if i didn't note that every single woman in this film is a horrible caricature. Horrible. This film has not one, one like bit of value <laughs> to add, uh, and that was a huge disappointment. And that's something I hadn't caught as a younger viewer. Um, 
just how nasty the ex-wife is portrayed you know she's very shrewish and you know so every single female character in this is just awful and um the what about what about marge gutman (laughs) is that the wife of the no she's the one who gets the laser in the face oh yeah yeah no she's she's um yeah she's not portrayed in any great light but um i that was the death i remembered um i didn't i hadn't remembered a bunch of them i did remember that and yeah, the um, I just love that they just rub a little Stonehenge rock on this poker chip, and it will just blast yes. you right in the face and turn. <laughs> and I always love in movies where they have like a like a, you see these in the Indiana Jones films, where they're like, oh my god, it's snakes, and you're like, those are just garter snakes. <laughs> like what the fuck, you know? Like, oh, I know. Like they're it's like it's bugs, and I'm like, okay, those are just regular bugs. <laughs> like, what's the problem? Well, you got to admit the scene where where they, they you know you've got. Uh, he 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 has the test with yeah. the Cupfer family with with Buddy and Little Buddy, and, and his wife Betty. You know I, that scene is creepy. It's so weird because then you got the music like you know they're like all the bugs and snakes are coming out of the kid's face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's pretty messed up. And uh, I remember at the time, like uh, Siskel and Ebert uh, were like freaking out. It's like, oh my god, they killed a child. Yeah, it's, yeah, I was like, well, that's kind of the idea of the whole film, yeah, yeah, is the killing the all the thing. children. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, a lot of horror movies threaten children and and, yeah. and psychologically torture children a lot. But um, it's a bit rare for them to, to murder a child gruesomely. So, yeah. you know, even though we've had that, we've had more of that because films are more pushing the envelope. Um, sure. I'm sure in 1980, whatever this was, that was pretty shocking. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a creepy scene for sure. Cause the whole family gets murdered. Although the wife just seems to kind of faint and it's implied that she dies. <laughs> so yeah, I think she dies because of like all those garter snakes. Yeah. Some garter out. snake cl- crawled over her ankle. <laughs> so she yeah. perished, but yeah. <laughs> but, so, uh, okay. So here's my, my thing, you know, like out of the whole movie, I mean, there's, there's lots of stuff you can go, like you can point to like, what the hell was that? <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dr. Chalice and, and Ellie are separated, and then he rescues her, and they, you know, he, he eliminates, you know, uh, Cochran, and they leave and everything, and on the way out, like, all of a sudden, she's a friggin' robot yeah. attacking him, and it's never established... Is that her, and she's been changed into a robot? Is that a robot made to look like her, and she's already dead? Or she's being held prisoner. What is it? I think it's option two. Um, the idea that she was a robot all along is pretty easily rejected because, yeah. you know, she's the one that kind of initiates even, you know, looking into the whole murder right. of her father. So I, I assumed that she'd been murdered and that when he rescued um, her, it was already the robot. But they don't follow up whatever happened to the real her, you know. Well, why was the robot tied to the table? Um, as a as a decoy for him, uh, all right. I, yeah, uh, to make him feel like he was rescuing her. I don't know. That I, was I a guess. bit. That was a bit unsatisfying. Um, um, so so okay. So and it has it, a that's that dark ending, right? Because, well, that ending. It's what I was just about to say. Is the ending is hilarious because you couldn't do that today. I, I, well, let's be honest, you couldn't do it then either. But back then, I mean, you had ABC, NBC, CBS. That's mm-hmm. all you had. So he's right. supposedly calling the the network, yeah, I or don't know. you know, and saying <laughs> you've got it. Okay, you don't know who I am. 
I could be a crazy person, but I'm calling and telling you, turn off the Silver Shamrock commercial that they've probably paid you millions of dollars to air. Turn it off. And so it actually works, surprisingly. Right. Okay, on Channel 2, they turn it off. You know, oh, it switches the channel. Oh, it's still on. Uh, and, and he's talking to somebody. He's like, it's still on. Turn that one off. You know? yeah, <laughs> Is there like a magical network person right, that right, like, right. like has, holds dominion over every channel? Right. Because there's like a kid that walks in and when the commercial goes off, he just turns to the next channel and right. there's this mounting feeling of desperation. And yeah, even, even me knowing nothing about television, never having, I'm like, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people. You, you'd have to be calling a lot of people. And like you said, how are they going to believe you, right? Like, oh, yeah, okay. you just, I could just call up a cha- our local station and say, oh, my God, turn off that, that Toyota Celica commercial right, or whatever. Exactly. You know, they'd be like, who the hell is they this? should turn off that Toyota Celica commercial, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was pretty corny. But it's like, and, you know, it's supposed yeah. to be the it's that's another thing is a lot of audiences don't like a, a dark ending. Oh, I don't mind a dark ending if if it's done. Uh, skillfully i guess i don't know and and this movie it's so silly i i don't see how you can really get angry at the ending you know i mean it's not like it was something that was dead serious throughout and then like oh damn it how could they do that at the end you know um i agree the thing that's funny is i can go and i can point out to you so many things that are wrong with this movie and i love it anyway sure makes (laughs) hey you don't no judgment here you know how i feel about roadhouse like i love Uh. it like a 10 (laughs) out of 10. um yeah i can see why you'd like it and one thing we haven't mentioned is there's a lot of carpenter-esque direction in it and oh yeah so it makes it it's much more beautifully it has better cinematography and better shots than your average uh, goofy 80s horror film. Um, yeah, especially the, 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 the restored Blu-ray that Shout Factory put out, which I have. Uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It actually won an award as Best Restoration yeah. of the Year or whatever because it is fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, despite all the absolutely bizarre and also i love tom atkins yeah well we both love tom atkins yeah yeah i'm a huge fan of tom atkins and uh although it's weird he 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 he's uh uh oh no no he's got his signature mustache in this i was thinking of the fog oh right um, right where he's, he's yeah. got that that super super stash the cop dad mustache yeah yeah i mean all he needs is those uh you know uh the, the sunglasses so he's, he's he looks like a a hard-bitten thirty-year-old, thirty-year veteran cop, whatever. But he's a doctor for some reason. Yeah, um, who drinks a lot. Right. <laughs> so okay, so what, what, what's your rating uh, for Halloween? Uh, I, my most edge? generous is a six. I I really oh. the the way women are portrayed in this is just absolutely awful. And it wasn't. I don't like dark endings. And so at that point, it's just, I like the Carpenter-esque, you know, elements to it. I liked the gore in it quite a bit. Um, I didn't really like any of the characters. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch it again. This is probably my second time seeing it, and I'm just kind of over it. Um, oh, I love the masks, I will say. The masks were Oh, uh, the great. Howard Post masks. Those yes. were great, yeah. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I give it a nine. I it's one of my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched this movie, like, I, I would definitely say upwards of 40 times. <laughs> much much like the fog uh it, it's it's constantly in rotation for me uh and a, a lot of it has to do like you said like the carpenter-esque direction the cinematography the, the that john carpenter score um 
Tom Atkins, and I had a big crush on Stacey Nelkin for a long time. Um, even though she, her performance is basically her eyes like staring wide and blank. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I, I and uh, you know, <laughs> I love the scene where they finally get to the hotel room, and she's like, "Where do you want to sleep, Doctor right. Chalice?" Right. Well, that's a pretty dumb question, Miss Grimbridge. <laughs> I know. I was. Tim, that scene gives me that scene gives me secondhand embarrassment. I'm like, okay, I'm watching some middle-aged dudes' fantasies of what the, we wishes the world was like, and it's just yes. awful. Um, and I was like, you got, you can't be telling me they're going that direction, but they were going that direction. So, oh yeah, she's hot for him. Yeah, well, she. I mean, like right out of the gate, they don't spend any any of that bullshit time trying to establish chemistry. Them, yeah. You know, she, it's the whole Meg. It's we got to call this what the Meg effect from Sleepaway Camp, where you're like, yes, you're like, really, <laughs> like that woman, that young woman is into that old geezer. Okay, like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Meg, Meg loved him. Yeah, <laughs> wow, you know, good for her. Yeah, right. You know, she, she, she was taking the power in that relationship. I guess so. Yeah, you no, know? but it was it was fun. I just it was just a little too grim for me and not not fun enough. But um. I, I just have to say, like, I, it's just so weird thinking of how pissy people got about it. Um, yeah. Because it's like once you realize that it doesn't have anything to do with Michael Myers, just sit back and enjoy it. It's a it's a you know fun little 80s horror film for sure. Yeah. And, and, and you know, honestly, it's not like you're going to see a lot of movies with this plot. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. Because it's a bad plot, Tim. It's wonderful. I wanted to see like more movies in in the uh, the two fisted Doctor Chalice chronicles. Right, right. Just of him, like you know, super, you know, tracking down more supernatural horrors, like Carl Kolschak or something. Yeah, so. perfect. <laughs> like the X Files, but just like several points below in terms of quality. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. far far below. And we got to visit various uh, CD bars yeah. at uh, three in the afternoon. With bad uh, bad beer six packs. Yeah, no, I get yeah. it. I get it. <laughs> All right, so that's that's all for this episode of uh, Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees. We love your feedback, and we'll read your emails on the air. Just write to us at moviemorgue1 at att.net and venture spleen. So check us out on our Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram feeds. Uh, please like and subscribe on either iTunes or SoundCloud, or both if you're feeling frisky. Uh, and don't forget to check out our website, designed by our own Kelly, at http colon backslash backslash bbnbs.net or just google it uh, for people who actually know how to use the internet uh next time it will be the year of hugh downs and barbara walters 2020 mm. we'll be starting the year off right with reviews of the new remake of black christmas plunging into dreamland with a nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge and stuffing our stockings with silent night deadly night so until then have a great Christmas holiday. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. And we'll see you next time. Good night. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy, happy Halloween! 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 Happy, happy Halloween!
so horny. 